Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. The Bickersons have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband, John Insomniac Extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen. Oh, for the love of heaven, what is he doing? John. John! John! What's the matter with you? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? Are you in pain? I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink. You've been sleeping like a felled ox. Shh. Headaches. You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John? Always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, man. The lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on? Well, something's flashing in my head. Ow! Take an aspirin. Okay. Hmm, feel better already. How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something. All right. <sighs> John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You lied to me. You got the lights on. Yes, I'm going to keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you. Please, Blanche, I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night? When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia. Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep. It took you all of 30 seconds tonight. Well, this was a good night. Good night. John. John. I went over to see the Marvin's new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months. He must be awful tired. I am too. Children are such a blessing. Mm. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children. I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache. John, Mm -hmm. don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house? No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but you have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting. What the devil is that? What's what? That. Put the lights on. 
John. Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and... It's and only a dog, silly. A, a dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for? Now, don't get hysterical. Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it. He's right there, in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer. You put him in there with my shirts? He won't suffocate. The drawer's open. Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin? You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia. I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me... make me... Get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake. The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills. Well, where are they? On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog? Where? They're on the night table by your bed. There's nothing here except the aspirins. The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the... Blanche, what have I been eating? No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. Here I am dying from dog poisoning. My, my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs, hides the aspirin, and makes... I don't know. Get up so early, never get another wink of sleep as as long as... John? John? Hmm? Gesundheit. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy. Now you're talking. I want you to take him down to the dog pound. Okay, I'll do it on my way to work. You go in the opposite direction. Well, I'll go out of my way. You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're open all night. Go on, get up and take him. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep. You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. How do you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Gooseby? Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep. Oh, what's the use? Good night. I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment. Still have a year to go on this one. Our lease expired on Friday. I renewed it yesterday. I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me. That's a good idea. Am- Amos is what? Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow. Oh, Blanche, no. I... I don't believe it. We'll be on the street. Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy. Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place? Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets. Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live. Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals? Now look, Blanche... The trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative. Look, Blanche... If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year. He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where's my slippers? What are you going to do? Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow! Ooh! Ooh! Put on the lights! The lights are on. Open your eyes. Oh. Here's here's the phone. I know it's going to ring, and I want to be ready when it does. 
Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. I'll get it, I'll get it. Amos. Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep, I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming, and if you're worried about a place to live, I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko. You don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to, or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Good night, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as... Was it Amos who won? I did. Now at last I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying. No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there. But... Oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage. Good night, John. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is the Tom Sumner Program. And just in case you ever feel like you don't get enough of sharks or shark stuff, National Geographic has teamed up with um, a a really talented uh, writer of a variety of, of nonfiction and novelty children's books named Kelly Hargrave for a book called can't get enough shark stuff, fun facts, awesome info, cool games, silly jokes, and more from Nat Geo Kids. And um, and the writer, um, Kelly Hargrave, is joining me by phone. Good morning, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and talk all about sharks. Now, I, I'm mentioned before we went on the air that it's a little earlier in Colorado but um what what is the the shark situation in Colorado oh, <laughs> oh very good question of course we're in a landlocked state so non-existent um i you know the most water we have here is the, the cup that i'm drinking here probably <laughs> yeah I know years ago when I was on the road playing music, I played in Colorado and uh, had a great time. Played in Colorado Springs, actually. Um, Oh, great. I lived in Colorado Springs for a few years. It's a really great town and 
of course, yes, we don't have sharks here, but we have lots of cool animals. And I'm just an all-around nature lover and animal lover. So we might not have sharks, but we have a lot of other cool things happening in the state for sure. So how did you get teamed up with Nat Geo Kids to collect info and present info about sharks and stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, so I've worked on a couple of other books with them. Um, You know, I've done, um, they have this wonderful series called Weird But True. And that was actually one of the first series that I worked on with them, Um, you know, just collecting all these fun facts on how to present the coolest stuff to kids, you know, because, you know, we want kids to have fun with these books. We know it's not the easiest thing to sit down and read. So just having the best pictures and sifting through all of these amazing articles that of course we team up with a lot of different specialists on um, to find those really kind of stand out information that we can present to kids in just a really cool way. That way when they're turning pages, the, you know, they always have something really cool to read that jumps off the page to them. Um, Yeah. So it started off with a couple of different books and then we really just, you know, shark is just kind of a perennial favorite Kids I, just love it. Um, why? You know, I think there's a couple of animals that kids are always drawn to. It's sharks, dinosaurs, dogs, and cats. So you can't go wrong. And <laughs> sharks are just an amazing... You, you really can't. <laughs> um, but sharks are just, you know, they're so versatile. They've been on this planet for, you know, over 400 million years. So they've just become this amazing creature. But I think that humans can only dream of being, you know, they have all of these amazing superpowers that they've evolved to have over the years. So um, I think we just wanted to take a true deep dive into sharks to really make sure that we're showing kids just how versatile and vast this creature is. There are over 500 species. So we have a lot to discover and talk about with kids with sharks. What is it about sharks that's so appealing to kids is it the fact that they are um the closest link to actual dinosaurs on the planet or or that their um planet earth's uh the closest thing we have to real monsters (laughs) monsters oh my yes I think you're kind of right there, but I also, you know, I want to turn that word monster into superhero because they truly do have superpowers, you know. Um, I like to think that they're the closest thing we have to a superhero on the planet. You know, you have skin that's as strong as armor. I mean, you have teeth that don't get cavities. Um, You know, you just have all these really cool things. But for kids, you know, I think that there's like a little bit of mystery factor Um, Of course, things that live underwater, you know, underwater is just this whole different land. There's a lot going on uh, um, under there that's completely different than what we have going on 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 land. Um, So I think that you have that little bit of mystery factor, but then you also have, of course, the big, sharp teeth. It's just you can't turn away when you see those big jaws. We just haven't seen, you just don't see stuff like that all the time. But also I think that sharks, um, they're also fearless. They're brave and they're strong. So I think that there's something that kids can connect to there as well. They're just seeing this unbelievable creature just completely live and do its thing at its best. So I think that there's 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 so much to be attracted to there. And, yeah, that's why I think kids enjoy them. When you were collecting material for this, uh, for this book, and, again, I'll, I'll mention it's uh, – National Geographic Kids Can't Get Enough Shark Stuff. More with Nat Geo Kids contributing writer Kelly Hargrave straight ahead.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Nat Geo Kids contributing writer Kelly Hargrave straight ahead. Was there stuff that that you didn't know that really took you by surprise? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. So many wonderful things. Um, you know, we have this spread in the book. It's called um, Surprising Sight, and we're, we're comparing different sight of sharks. And I think so many times when we think of sharks, we think of their teeth. We also focus a lot on their smell. You know, um, you know, big majority of their brain power is focused on their smell. So I was really kind of surprised to hear how amazing and versatile their eyes are. You know, you have you have the tiger shark and other sharks similarly have a third eyelid called the nictating membrane. And this thing is so cool. It's an eyelid that comes over their eye that's translucent. So that when they're attacking prey or they feel a threat, they can close that eyelid, but they can still see through it and do their thing and conquer that piece of prey that they want. So that's really neat. And then you also have the whale shark, which has all of like hundreds of little teeth-like things on there called dermal denticles. And it's basically armor over their eye that is always on there. So it's this extra layer of protection that they have, um, which just shows how important their eyes are. And then <laughs> the freakiest eye trick of all, I think, is the great white, um, which I, you know, how can the great white get any freakier and scarier than it is? Um, it has this funny little eye trick that it'll do when it's approaching prey or it's on the attack. It'll roll its eyes in the back of its head. So you're just seeing the whites of its eyes and then it strikes its prey and it rolls its eyes back into its sockets to protect its people because unlike the whale shark, um, it doesn't have that layer of dermal denticles. Um, and then unlike the tiger shark, it doesn't have that third eyelid. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of a freaky sight. You can look up pictures of a, we have a picture in the book of a, of a shark doing this, but you can also Google pictures of it. And it's just, it's, it's pretty interesting. So, um, and then just beyond that, you have the great hammerhead shark who um, out of all the sharks has this wonderful 360 vision. It can see all around it, which, which is a pretty cool superpower. And it has this fun little swaying motion that it does to its head to make sure that those fields of vision overlap so it can see all around it um, at all times. So, yeah, so I think the site, it was kind of one of the most surprising things. Of course, you know, there's a lot more other things I could say about a lot of other cool sharks, but um, yeah, but that was one of the coolest things. You know, for most of us, um, Kelly, we just have this impression of sharks um, doing nothing other than swimming around and eating. <laughs> that That's pretty much their function on planet yeah. Earth. What else do sharks do, and and what, if any, roles do the various um, types of sharks fit in in the grand uh, um, ecology? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, sharks are pretty helpful for our planet. You know, I think they, there's lots of different habitats that they help maintain because they're an apex predator. So they're at the top of their chain. And so everything that they do trickles down to everything else in that habitat. Um, For instance, uh, they help uh, monitor seagrass. They uh, love to eat sea turtles. And sea turtles love 
to eat seagrass. So these two kind of balance each other. Um, the sharks kind of scare away the sea turtles from eating too much of the seagrass. Um, and the seagrass, that's important because seagrass actually holds carbon. And so if the sea turtles eat too much of the seagrass, especially in one condensed area, that releases a lot of carbon into the air. Um, and then that kind of contributes to some of the warming factors that we're seeing. Um, and then sharks also kind of help regulate our coral reefs. Um, coral reefs are very important to just helping protect our coastlines. And then there's tons of animals that live and, and count on the coral reefs. But there's this algae that grows on coral reefs, and there's this little fish that helps eat the algae off the coral reef. And if the, you know, if that algae doesn't, um, if that algae isn't eaten, it is overgrown on the coral and the coral dies. So the shark kind of helps kill a predator that kills, usually eats the fish that eats the algae. So it's all, it's all kind of connected there. So even if they're not hunting, they're protecting, you know, certain areas. And then if they're not hunting, they're usually migrating to go find <laughs> more food, you know. So, yes, a lot of their day in and day out does have to do with hunting and food. But there's a lot of other implications that their actions have um, on the rest of the ocean, which is neat. Sharks are, are most often portrayed, at least in movies and television, as as being uh, man-eaters and, and predatory. Uh, are they... You know, some some depictions have them mindlessly swimming around, just eating whatever happens to fall into their mouths. But, um, but but yet we have these fears that as as soon as a human goes into the water, sharks show up from all over the planet to eat them. Oh yeah, I I mean obviously that is that is such a big trait that's out there and and you know they're not as dangerous as they seem because we're not part of their natural diet. You know, I would say if you're a seal, yeah, scurry away as fast as you can. Um but you know, there's only a couple of hundred uh shark alleged shark attacks that happen every single year and out of those shark attacks there's only a couple deaths. You know, it could be anywhere from 1 to 5 a year and that's globally. So this, you know, this is a very, very, very small amount on humans. And researchers are still, you know, looking into why there have been, there are the few shark attacks that happen every single year. You know, there's this, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a bull shark, but the bull shark is kind of one of the sharks that tend to have some of the most attacks um, because it's one of the very few sharks that can travel very easily between um, salt and fresh water. Um, so bull sharks will tend to travel up rivers. Um, and, and a lot of times that's because they're giving birth. Um, but that's, uh, that's actually one of the most often times that humans do run into a shark is actually sometimes a bull shark in a river. Um, but still, this is very, very few. Um, you know, and I'd like to kind of reiterate, too, that there are over 500 species of sharks. So, you know, when we see the sharks that are portrayed in the media, it's, we all see the same shark probably over and over again. It's the big, great white, those big jaws. There's always some piece of flesh hanging out of its mouth. Um, you <laughs> I know, know right? <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, but that's, that's still that's still probably not human flesh. You know, that's probably some animal flesh. And, and that's that's where they they want to hunt. They want to hunt the animals that they like to eat. Their hunt, humans are not usually on their radar, um, you know. So, so yeah, I, I vote for they're not as dangerous as they seem. 
and we should actually we should actually be looking out for sharks and caring for them as much as we can to help to help regulate and, and protect um, our planets and our various ecosystems um, for sure. Are are there certain kinds of behaviors that that people should learn? Um, if they're likely to be in waters where there might be sharks that that might help keep them out of harm's way? Oh, goodness. Well, um, I, I... I mean, they always say, like, if you're being chased... <laughs> they always say there's there's two things to, to remember um, if you're being chased by a bear. One is lay down and play dead. The other is be able to outrun whoever you're with. Um, but, but all kidding aside, I've, I've heard people say, if you, if you're really still, you might not attract sharks swimming through an area that you're in. Well, that's certain. I've, I've, I've heard something kind of similar to that. You know, I think that scientists are still doing research on that because, you know, I think one of the things that I've heard um, you know, that I've read during this research is that, you know, they're still trying to figure this out, but there are some younger sharks. This is one of the, the reasons why they, that there may have been, there may be attacks is that there's smaller, shark, younger sharks that are trying to hone their skills. Um, so I'm not sure about the thing still, that sounds like a great, you know, that sounds like great advice, you know, um, to stay, I think staying calm is always helpful. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say if you're worried about that, then there is, you know, to look it up and do some research before stepping into the ocean. But first and foremost, you're more than likely not to come across a shark when you're swimming. And I think that's the most important thing. It's still such a very small chance. Yeah, I've heard that it's unusual for sharks to come very close to the land. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, there are a lot of sharks that live right off the coast. But, you know, so I grew up on the East Coast, so I was familiar with going to Virginia beaches and North Carolina beaches. And every now and then we would have a great shark or a great white shark that would come through. Um, it would be very seldom. It'd be big on the news. <laughs> so you would always know when they'd come into town. Um, but usually, you know, sharks are coming to the coast because maybe there's um, other things going on in the environment that, that are changing things a little bit. Um, there have been some seal migrations that have started coming farther down south um, and traveling in different areas. So usually if a shark is in the area, it's not because, oh, I know that humans are swimming on the coast. It's because there's another food source that they're really interested in that is migrating there. Um, so that's, that's why you might see some spotting of sharks um, off the coast. In the process of, of um, doing this book, now, for some reason, I got the impression, Kelly, that you had always lived in Colorado, and I was going to ask if you had come in contact with <laughs> sharks, and, and apparently growing up on the coast, you you have a little more experience than most people in Colorado, I would think. <laughs> sure, yes. Yeah, I did grow up, you know, summer summer times we would head to the beach. I had an uncle that lived there and, and some family, so it was fun to go. But, you know, we, we rarely ever came across anything. I don't think I ever came across a shark when I was in the ocean. Um, you know, there's definitely big fish, and we get excited to see um, porpoises. Um, but that's kind of the extent of what we'd see, you know, Um I will say I'm very excited. I'm going to be going to the Monterey Bay Aquarium at the end of this week, so I will see, you know, maybe some little baby sharks in their oh, open cool. sea exhibit. But, 
But other than that, um, yeah, I have never seen a shark in the wild. Well, this is Though a little... I do hope to swim with whale sharks someday. <laughs> well, this is a little, a little off topic, um, Kelly, <laughs> but how did you... Um, what attracted you to Colorado? And the reason that I ask that isn't because I don't love Colorado. Um, I, I do, actually. But it, it's most of the people that I that I meet and talk to that were raised in coastal areas tend to be drawn to coastal areas. If you know what I mean, they they their their love of wildlife tends to revolve around oceanic wildlife and it's it's just interesting that you live in Colorado and I just wondered what what drew you there yes yeah so you know even though I would grow up um, going to to beaches and coastal areas I still grew up I grew up um, right outside of Washington DC um, in Loudoun County. Um, oh, that's a whole different so, bunch know, of sharks. Exactly, exactly. We've got a great <laughs> hierarchy there. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I love the beach and I love doing that, but I also wanted to just try something completely different. You know, I just wanted to, I was younger, I moved, I moved to Colorado um, about 11 or 12 years ago. And I just wanted to try something completely different from where I grew up. And once I got here and started hiking around and meeting the lovely people that live in this state and just getting to learn about this landscape, um, I'm a big hiker. I also rock climb. Um, I just love the that adventure is just right out my door. And um, in all honesty, I live right next to a national park, and, and that's my dream. You know, I love, I love being able to walk out my door and just be immersed in nature. And so I do have family, and I still travel back to Virginia quite often. I also am connected. I lived in Florida for a few years, so another big coastal state. Um, so I do enjoy traveling a lot as well. So I don't feel like I'm missing out too much. And then obviously being able to connect with everyone um, online and um, in so many different ways makes it a lot easier to, to be in a state like this where you're landlocked. <laughs> Um, but it's a beautiful state, so I just fell in love with it. How is it that you were were drawn to nature growing up around D.C.? Well, you know, so ironically, I grew up in this area called Countryside. So back in the day, you know, a suburb of Washington, D.C. wasn't wasn't too, you know, it actually wasn't too populated yet. We were about 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., oh, okay. so we still had rolling hills. We were on the very edge um, of where Fairfax County meets Loudoun County, and Loudoun County is basically covered, you know, that's kind of the gateway a little bit to the Appalachian Mountains. We still had trails out there. Um, I also went to a school um, in Southern Virginia that is also kind of a little more remote and removed. I would go to summer camps, you know, in the mountains and be outside and, you know, learn some archery and go canoeing. And, you know, so I had a family, I think I had a family oriented life where being outside was just a big part of my life, always outside and playing and doing things and exploring. So, um, so yeah, so. <laughs> My guest is uh, Kelly Hargrave, and uh, she is a nature lover and writer. And um, 
worked with National Geographic Kids on the uh, book Can't Get Enough Shark Stuff. Fun facts, awesome info, cool games, silly jokes, and more. Um, Kelly, when you... This project, um, and, and you pointed out that, you know, National Geographic is so well known for the quality of their photographs and images and the reproductions and, and just the way they publish. Um, the the book is really a work of art, as all Nat Geo books are. Um, but how did this... Um, how how did you do this? Did you serve as as the copywriter, as an editor? How, how what was your role in in putting this book together? Yes, yeah, so um, and I and I actually have a co-writer. Her name's Andrea Celine. She worked on the book with me, um, and so her and I would partner together to basically try to figure out the outline for this book. Um, you know, that's kind of the first step of oh my gosh, what kind of information do we want to share with kids? And what, how, what is the layout going to look like as far as what we want to show on each page? Um, you know, how do we want to break up the information to make sure that kids are digesting it in a fun way and getting some fun breaks here and there, you know, learning information, but then also, you know, obviously reading some jokes like better in the book um, and also just quick snippets of fun facts. So her and I worked together to kind of divvy up um, the book and figure out what types of top shark topics like um, teeth and skin and, you know, all the shark favorite things, what's going to be the best way to um, present the information. So her and I worked together on the outline and then we divvied up um, different spreads and different things that each of us wanted to work on. And then we went, we jumped into research. And so um, one of the favorite things that I worked on was actually some of the shark specialist features that we have in the book. So I worked directly with the shark specialists and contacted a number of them to get get feedback in, in everyday life of how they deal with sharks and really cool stories that they think that kids would like because kids are attracted to, you know, wanting to learn how, how they could maybe possibly work with sharks or marine life in the future. And so we wanted to make sure that that was an important part of the book. So, you know, I had my hand in a lot of different parts of the book, but mostly I was I was a writer and researcher and helped gather all the information that we put in here and then presented it in a fun way for kids. And then we pass it on, of course, to editors who help, who help, you know, hone the information that's in there. They are the true, true National Geographic voices that, you know, work on multiple books a year. You know, I usually work on one or two with them a year, but those editors are in there working on, you know, multiple, you know, 12 to 15 books a year usually. So they, they really help us make sure that we're pulling it in a direction that, you know, sticks with their, um, with their standard. Um, yeah. So writing it and then it is a, it is quite a process. You know, we come back in after all the photos are placed in there to make sure that all of our, all of the content that we've written matches up with the photos, um, which is really exciting. It's always exciting to see, you know, those, those pictures come in there and kind of put those finishing touches on it. So yeah, that's how I was involved with the process. It's a really great, it's a really great process. For sure, I really enjoyed it, and they make it really fun. Well, what's next then for Kelly Hargrave? <laughs> That's a great question. Yes, well, actually, you know, coming in November, I've I've worked on another book with uh, National Geographic called The Big Book of Wow. So that'll be coming out in November, and um, myself or the co- I actually worked with the same co-writer on that book, Andrea. 
Celine. Um, so either her or I may be touring in November again for that book. So keep an eye on that. Um, but I also do write for um, Scholastic. And so I do have a few books coming out with them. So you can always check my website, um, kellyhardgrave.com, for what I have coming out. Um, yeah. Kelly, is that the best place for uh, listeners to go to learn about you and your work, past, present, and future, is uh, your website? Absolutely. And then if you want to just check on my day-to-day life here in Colorado, I'm a very active um, hiker and nature lover, and I'm taking pictures of my surroundings. You can follow me on Instagram at Kelly uh, underscore Hargrave. Um, but, yeah, those are the two places where you can you can follow and and give me a shout out. Well, Kelly, I hope you come back and visit with me in November um, when you're uh, wowing the world. <laughs> yes, the big book of wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be great Another to have you one. back. And um, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. you spending this uh, time with me and the listeners this morning. And um, thank you so much and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. I really appreciate it. Okay, take care. <laughs> yes, you Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. That was uh, Kelly Hargrave, and uh, she writes a variety of nonfiction and novelty children books for top publishers and licensed properties that inspire kids to think genuinely and creatively about their own world full of unexpected discoveries and incredible possibilities. And her uh, latest project uh, with National Geographic or Nat Geo Kids um, is about sharks. It's uh, literally called Can't Get Enough Shark Stuff, Fun Facts, Awesome Info, Cool Games, Silly Jokes, and more. And with that, we'll have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. 
and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, great lovers of the world, lend me thy ears. Where has love wrought? (laughs) Love has wrought beauty. Love is the world. The world is love, and the great lovers of the world have made the earth a very precious, beautiful, and lovely place. Where is the love? Tell me. It's it's there. It's there. (laughs) Oh, where is the love? It's there. Where is the love? Do you know where the love is? It's there, Tom. It's all around you. Love is everywhere. Love is ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-moving. Love is passionate. It is flowing. It is sweet. It is wonderful. Love is compassion. Love is... Love is God. This is a song of two lovers. Right. Not world-famous lovers. lovers. Not a Romeo and Juliet. Not that type of a love. But two people whose love was an unrequited love. Unrequited love. (laughs) Very beautiful love. A love that very few people ever hear of. It's a story of Herman and Sally. (laughs) You've heard of them, huh? Herman was a lobster. And Sally was a crab. never work out that way, will it? (laughs) Herman met Sally on the beach one night The sea was calm and the starfish were bright He looked at her and she looked at him And it was true love at first sight Now Herman told his folks about the girl he found And they said, Herman, there must be other girls around (laughs) Cause crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Everybody sing now! Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Where is love? Try singing like that. (laughs) Poor Herman and poor Sally. Whence did their love whence wrong? Oh, the bittersweet pain of love's nectar. 
Yes, Herman, though he loved Sally, could not marry her, could not have her for his own. Herman was a lobster, Sally was a crab. Herman lived in a restricted neighborhood. <laughs> so he had to make a decision. And Herman made a decision which was sad and very hard for him to do. But then, being a lobster, Herman had no backbone. <laughs> Herman told Sally and it broke her heart. She had loved that lobster right from the start. He took her in his claws and said, I'll always be yours. But still, we really have to part. Sally said, let's talk to your mom and your dad. I'll show them that crabs really aren't that bad. <laughs> they turned her away, what would the neighbors say? And they laughed at the funny walk she had. Two, three, four. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Sing out, friends, now. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Once again, gang! Oh, crab walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take it for your pain. One more time now! Oh, crab walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take it for your pain. One day on a sandbar, what did Herman see? But his little old Sally walking straight as can be. He said, Sally, I can take you in my family. And she said, Herman. Don't you street at me. Crabs <laughs> <laughs> walk sideways and lobsters walk straight and we won't let you take it for your man. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. That's smoking George Winters, tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room for the weekend. But I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks to everybody who tuned in today. And thanks to all of the people who uh, I had a chance to talk to today. Uh, including, uh, well, you know who they were. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.